This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. Yep, ready. You're all ready to go. Okay, Dr. Lakin, it's uh, all yours, sir. Thank you, Phil. Hey, today we have uh, a, a lady that I've come to know that I, that I just think she's got a fantastic story, and her name is Katie, and Katie has battled addiction and overcome it, and I'm just very impressed with your story, and, 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 and I think it's a great story to share because, once again, you know, the most uh, impactful thing somebody can hear is a good success story. So thank you for actually coming and telling your story because it's only, you're only here to help others. Obviously, you've done a great job yourself and, and, and a great testimonial on what life is like on the other side, but tell us how the addiction first came to be and how long ago it was and how it progressed. About 10 years ago, I was working as a postmaster at the post office, making good money. I was volunteering at my kids' school. You can actually Google my picture, and you'll see Volunteer of the Year clearing in Arkansas and my federal mugshot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's I mean, top of the world. And then, and then what? how did it start to unravel? The superintendent of the school had a daughter-in-law. She offered me a hydrocodone. And it helped me get through the day and do more stuff. And it went from taking them once in a while to every day. And yeah, it does. It just over. It just you get overwhelmed. So so tell me. So from one a day, and it made you feel better. And do more and get more accomplished. Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. And, and then, then it get to where you can't get out of bed without it. Yeah. And then you have to take more and more all the time. So you got to the point where you had to take how many just to fill? I went from that to oxy's to everything whatever somebody had yeah so off the streets friends did stuff you normally would never do mm -hmm. like still from the post office <laughs> yeah yeah I wrote money orders and got a federal indictment yeah but your habit was so expensive it was like $600 a week $600 a week and yet you were in that crisis mode all the time where you just had I five kids yeah. yeah I had to be able to get up and do what I have to do yeah and the fear of going through withdrawals. Yeah, I tried a couple of times and you can't. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. So here you are with how many kids? Five. Five kids. They were all in elementary school then. They're teenagers now. Model mom. Mm-hmm. And then the pills. Mm-hmm. And just one hydrocodone started it. Yep. From the superintendent's daughter-in-law. That was... Yeah. You know, everybody does it. I mean... That you don't know. Everybody. And sometimes they think they're doing you a favor. She did. She and did. to her, it seemed like a quick and easy fix for you. Mm -hmm. And your personality. Yeah. So when, when, when is it when you decided to get help? When, what was it? Was there a defining moment or, or something? Well, when I was going through the federal indictment and all that stuff, I did go to a suboxone clinic. But we moved from there because it was so embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I didn't stay with the Suboxone, and then I went back home, and it just got worse. So you left your home, your town. Yeah. You had to leave and move. Yeah, and we moved back to my actual hometown. We were living two hours from our hometown when all this happened. We moved back to my hometown thinking that would be easier, mm -hmm. and my husband got a job traveling, and we came to Kansas, and yeah. that violated my federal probation. I didn't realize it, mm -hmm. and I ended up in federal prison. And when I got out of prison, because you can get as much in prison as you can out. Oh, right, yeah. When I got out of prison, I came, I went to Dr. Hansfield. Got it. 
So in prison, you could still maintain your addiction. Yeah. And then what is it that you needed to take just to feel normal at that time? In prison, it was methadones because yeah. they were giving those out. Oh, the prison was giving out methadone. Not to me, but to other people. Oh, I... So and if you have money on commissary, you can get anything you want. Oh, right. So it's not like you're going to go through withdrawals and... Never. It was easier in prison than on the street. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Now, did you notice something different about methadone than, than the pills you were taking or what? It was strong. Very yeah. strong. Yeah. How much were you taking there? Just two or three a day. Two or it three. was minimal. So, the, yeah, the little 10 milligram tablets, mm -hmm. two or three a day. Okay. And then, so you got out of prison and then... I, like the week I got out of prison, I went to Dr. Hansfield. Yeah, and got started on Suboxone. Mm -hmm. Right. And then what did you notice about Suboxone? Suboxone just made it normal. I felt normal again. And I, for almost three, it's been too much, I have three years. I've been fine. Yeah. And do you actually feel your brain start to shift? Like, yes. And what is that? I mean... It, it's... My life is so... We're getting ready to buy a house. Everything... My kids are going away to college. It's normal now. It's like it used to be. Yeah. I did fight the Suboxone at first. I wanted off of it. Remember? Right. I took the... I don't know what it was, but it was something that put me in immediate withdrawal from Suboxone because I was going to be done with everything. Mm -hmm. It made me sick. Yeah. But I had to get my anxiety meds right and all that stuff. You probably started uh, naltrexone or something. And, That's uh, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly not for everybody. So the Suboxone, real long half-life. Have you, have you noticed that the crisis mode of, you know, being in crisis mode all the time, everything's... Uh, you forget to take it sometimes. Yeah. And that's what I've... It's not like you wake, wake up out of bed and you're like, I gotta have something. Yeah. That's the life you were in before. Yeah. So you were in fight or flight. For every a good day. 10 years. Good 10 years. Yeah. Well, good deal. Now, your daughter, she was, I mean, they're, they're proud of you, right? Yeah. My kids know everything. Yeah. I didn't keep anything from them. Yeah. Which, the whole time I was in prison, it was just them, you know, with my husband. Oh, coming to visit you? No. I never had my kid. No. I oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't allow it? No. I got it. I was only there for six months because it was a probation violation. Right. They were in Kansas. I was in Minnesota at Waseca. Oh, got FCI, it. And they took care of each other. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had to tell them the truth. Right. Well, and you also are concerned for them. I'm very concerned As for them. sensitive as you were to opioids, they could inherit similar tendencies. Mm -hmm. so they Addiction's need, all in my family. Yeah. Like, From alcohol to meth, everything in between. And that's not uncommon either. So who, parents? Mm -hmm. Well, what? I mean, my, my dad smokes pot. My yeah. mom doesn't do anything. But I've got brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, everything that's on everything. Yeah. And do you think that's because, and I noticed some trends as well, because there's an anxiety component with everybody? Everybody has anxiety in my family. Yeah. yeah. And I've noticed that's not uncommon where you have an uncle that uses alcohol to calm his brain or a mom that uses Valium or Xanax or whatever and, and a dad that smokes pot to calm their nerves. Mm -hmm. Same perhaps underlying issue, but they all use different modalities, mm -hmm. whatever's easy or whatever they know to do that. Well, great. And then tell me, so is there, I mean, obviously you've got three years now. You've got to be very happy with that. Mm -hmm. and, but it wasn't always easy. No, it's not even easy now, but yeah. it's better. It gets easier. Yeah. And what, why do you say that? I mean, you're going to have the same problems you had before. You're still going to have to get all these things accomplished in one day, which mm -hmm. was my problem to begin with. Mm -hmm. But you figure out a better way to do it. Right. Got it. There, I guess there's no... Easy, quick fix. No. 
But it seemed like it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's that's why it's so addictive too. Huh. Do you got friends and stuff? Obviously, we know some of the same people, but I mean, do you, you got run friends? into the same people everywhere. Yeah. The same type of people you do, no matter where you move. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate you coming to talk to us and tell us your story because there are people out there now that think they're the only one with a dirty secret or are too embarrassed to get treatment or don't even know really what treatment entails, but they can't keep it up. They cannot keep, like as you learned. I just started Googling stuff. Yeah. I was like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Yeah. Because the amount of pills you were taking when you were at your worst. A lot. Yeah. Like how many? How many what? Probably 10 at a time. Oxys, 30s. Yeah. I mean, it's probably enough to kill somebody. It would be now, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, you built up your tolerance and it was just that to feel normal. No but mm -hmm. no buzz at the time. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, good. I am so glad that... Uh, that it's not easy, but you did it. You probably feel like you're much more in control. Mm -hmm. You know to stay away from triggers, mm -hmm. but you got the willpower now to do it. And you got kids that are all proud. My kids are to the age now, though, where I have one that ha two that have anxiety really, really bad. Yeah. One's on medication, one refuses to do it. And the one that refuses is the one I'm scared for because he just turned 18. He's got friends that, you know, yeah. they know everything. Yeah, they know everything at that age, which isn't easy. But once you get on some controller medicine, like an SSRI or something like that, are you on something now? I don't remember. I'm on Lexapro. Okay. Perfect SSRI. You got your serotonins back up to normal. Your own serotonins are back up to normal. And you're able to have your anxiety at least manageable. Was that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you notice that that made a big difference as well? Yeah. Getting on a controller medicine. Good. And you said that one of your children is on one as well. My 16-year-old, he's supposed to be 17. He's on Lexapro. He had panic attacks horribly when he was 14. Yeah. He's on his way. He's got colleges like Duke sending him letters now. He's perfect because he's so he's so smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and he's able to focus better. Yes. A lot of kids get diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, and really it's just a stress response, anxiety. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you're in the fight or flight mode, it's hard to stay focused on, or even read a book. Yeah. But yeah, and certainly that is inherited, that mm -hmm. tendency toward anxiety disorder or the ability to go into fight or flight easily. Yeah. And the other one just refuses. He refuses. It, yeah. Nothing wrong with him. Well, I'm telling you, sometimes they have to learn the hard way, but I you know. hope that they get through it. But all right. Hey, Doc, uh, on the box, and how long did you have to? take that until you got off the Suboxone to Lexapro? I, I take the Lexapro, I started it at the same time as the Suboxone. I'm on both. So you just, until you were talking about levels, uh, kind of the levels, uh, leveling out. Serotonin levels, yeah, right. Serotonin. Yeah. No, anybody that's, that's uh, in the drug addiction world, they're doing this not just to their body, but to their brain. You know, they feel good, they feel bad, their mood's up, their mood's down, and you get in that limbic primitive part of your brain starts to be overactivated. Everything's a crisis, everything's urgent. Everything's right now and, and you believe... Everything's the end of the world. Everything's the end of the world. It's literally, you think it's life or death. Even though nobody dies from opioid withdrawals, you, this part of your brain thinks... That you're that, going to. That you're going to. Mm -hmm. And it's literally like I've heard it described by many people that battle addiction, like a hundred voices against the one voice of reason. So it's just literally overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So part of the deal is stop cravings, stop withdrawals, get on a long-acting uh, medication like methadone or Suboxone, 
long acting so you're not doing this to your brain all day and then get your serotonin back up to normal because when you're in fight or flight you release a lot of cortisol, a lot of adrenaline, da da da, and it lowers your serotonin. Serotonin is that neurotransmitter that gives you a sense of well-being that everything's okay. And so we do SSRIs, it lets people's own serotonin get back up to normal and all of a sudden things are more calm. Mm -hmm. And did you find like we get people off of medications but we don't adjust their serotonin and they're still on edge. So even though when you first got on Suboxone, you were still on edge or something's wrong but you don't know what with the Lexapro. Or... It took about six months to yeah. get everything right after being on Suboxone and staying on it. But I also had to change doctors in the middle too because mm -hmm. the one I was going to was not great. Yeah. This place here does so much more. My counselor, she made me feel like what I was saying mattered. Yeah, Barb was great. Oh yeah, she's got tons of experience. No, that's perfect. No, you need a counselor, you need support, you need resources. You're not always going to feel strong. No. Yeah, but you've got somebody you can turn to at any time. Mm -hmm. And then mood stabilization and treating the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Any other words of wisdom? I mean, what, what was it that, that you found helpful besides what we just talked about? Just know that it's worth it. It's not good to get up and chase a pill every day. Yeah. From pills to heroin, whatever it is, don't do it. Just stop. It's not worth it. And you've done it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't easy, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. Nope. Great message. I really appreciate <laughs> you. No, I appreciate you coming and telling your story. It's not easy. It takes a lot of courage, yeah. you know, to tell your story, especially, you know, if you're embarrassed about it or whatever. And yet it's not uncommon. I mean, it's, it's you know, as you've learned, you've met a lot of friends and they've got, everybody's got a different story. but Same basis. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. Same basis and same disease and they can do it just, just like you did. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel going forward? I mean, um, you know not to put yourself in situations or certain triggers, but you got the willpower now. And I don't the only thing I do is my kids' stuff. I stay at home. I do yeah. all that. That's all I do. Yeah. And you've got a big family. Yeah. And you do a good job. Mm -hmm. And you're a great mom. And you've got a good story. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you. I, I have no doubt that people are going to hear this and be inspired and know that, hey, I, I, I can do it now. I hope so. And, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming in. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.